welcome back to Gentle Talk. My name is Drew. As always, I'm joined by Josh, Dirk, and Corey. Boys, how's it going? Good. I'm in Chicago. How's it going, Dirk? I'm still in Maryland, but I'll be heading down there Friday morning. Getting excited. And how are you doing, Corey? I'm just happy we're all matching. See? <laughs> Finally. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Corey... I know I, I do want to talk a little bit about the NHL because I feel like there's some some fun stuff going on out there. Uh, but Corey, I think that this episode that we're we're previewing now is like the one you should have been there for. Yeah, really poor. And dude, I, you, I know he's listened to it now, and I know he's kicking himself for not being there. Like we've talked about getting opportunities and like a lot of things like that, and I feel like yours and Nico's. Maybe not necessarily like what you want to do as far as the broadcasting stuff goes, but the the passion for the broadcast uh, could have been a pretty cool, you know, not that you're not ever going to be able to talk to him or anything like that, but the whole time we were we were with him, like, ah. Yeah, Corey would have loved Corey. this. Yeah. yeah. Nico, it was, let me it know, was a dude. podcast made for you, dude. Nico, let me know, dude. Hit me up. Hook <laughs> a brother up, man. I, I, I mean, we did. You were working. Yeah. Remember, uh, I was doing your job, oh, and I was oh. right. And then you sent me the uh, the test did recording. That I sent you. Then I sent you when I was my ten my ten second test clip. And he's like, Josh, I need the actual video. Oh, that a makes week sense. later, because work is just hell. Was, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. and the, I think that Nico's one of those guys that we'll most likely have on. A, if not multiple times, at least another time to talk about anything. The the 10th Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament is this year. Um, So I feel like that's going to be a cool experience. That's impressive. Yeah. uh, Yeah, really. So I'm excited. And Danielle and I already talked, and we're going to make sure that we attend that this year because I'm a Maple Leafs fan, and any opportunity to go up there I will take, especially to play hockey. Yeah. but yeah, so let's let's talk about the NHL a little bit, man. Like, there are some crazy injuries. Tage Thompson is out. Jack Hughes is still out, right? Jack Hughes is out, and Nico got put on IR today. Oh, great! Nico's got a thing. So Nico does that. Nico's got a. I like to curl by the boards, but curl low thing. So. Fans that don't really know hockey, they look it looks and it looks really bad, and it gets hit hard, and people think it's a bad hit, but because it curls so low, his head is his head is board height, and that's what that's what not it's some it was something awards around the head neck shoulders that knocked him out in the first place, but it's like the third time he's done this in the last couple of years, mm. and like the hard ones, he gets hit all like that all the time too, and it doesn't really do much. Yeah, yeah both of them are out. And how much? How do you do much when your top two centers that are top <laughs> number one overall picks are out? It's it's tough. It's tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, you're know. still not doing bad though, right? Like oh no, oh no. I I think we've given up six goals of like five and six goals in the last five or six games. It's oh, it's bad. Like because because we'll try to we try to get offense and we'll sell out for offense and it'll come back and bite us. Hey, at least you're not the Oilers. No, we are not the Oilers, <laughs> I, and we are not the Sharks. 
Dude, cool. the Oilers are the, or Sharon Govich, the Angels. Man. They're the Angels of the NHL. Dude, I feel so. I love Jack Campbell. I feel so bad for that guy. Uh, he's their goalie. He got sent down to the AHL and oh, he lost what? his first three games. And I think he was 59 out of 72 saves. So he got scored on 11 times in three games. Holy crap, man. Yeah, it's just – or 12 times, whatever. Like, crazy – I mean, you know, we've all been bad. And, you know, when you're a goalie and you're bad, like, it just shows. And there's – I mean, a cold streak as a player results in minuses and bad plays and no points. A cold streak as a goalie just looked a lot worse. Yeah, well, I I think it's like, you know, the Blackhawks as – good or bad as they've been doing, I don't think anyone's going to expect them to go and win the Stanley Cup this year. But the Oilers, like, people are hyped on that team. And, oof. Yeah, they, was, they were saying, like, they need to go Cup or... I forget how they were, but they go Cup or go home or something like that. They're, like, going all out this year. And that's right. what they're expecting to do. They, they're tanking for whoever the first overall is going to be next year. Um, yeah. But... Then you got teams like I mean Boston's doing pretty good if I'm if I'm remembering correctly like twelve one and two best league yeah. best record in the NHL for for a team that uh, lost as much leadership that they did as they did and the caliber of leadership that they lost that's yeah. that's impressive. Uh, it's although, a deep team. Yeah, yeah. Who who hit Marshawn yesterday that started a fight? Oh. What a what a cheesy what a cheesy. And uh, who was it? Oh, um, I don't remember. But but uh, like unnecessarily starts a fight. Like, get off my captain! It's Marshawn. Get out of here. That Marshawn doesn't deserve that. Don't do that to my captain mentality. Get out of here. Oh, did you yeah. see the hit? Like the hit. I mean, it it. Doesn't look great. Darlene definitely gets his elbow up and like hits Marshawn. Yeah, but 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 Marshawn was coming in to hit him anyway. So well, that's reverse hit. You like, saw it coming. Yeah, and and because you know what was going to happen was was why it was higher than it should have been because you know because Darlene saw him coming in and he yeah. just could, and it was priceless because he just could toink because he didn't Marshawn didn't expect to get reverse hit. Yeah, but no. but it doesn't. But that should also. Didn't mean to say it, but that also doesn't need to start a fight. Like, yeah, but I've like been gunning for Marshan, especially this season. I mean, he got away with a bunch of crap in Toronto, which doesn't surprise me. That team is feeling very soft, even with Ryan Reeves and Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, yeah, but Marshan's a rat. I, I don't know. Like, I don't dislike the guy. I definitely didn't like him more earlier in his career, but. Now yeah. that I, you know, he's been around for so long. Like he is who he is. He's like Andrew Shaw, but amped up to eleven. Like he, that you but know, he's matured without a doubt. He's matured. Yeah, he's just found sneakier ways to get away with things that are illegal. I mean, but, uh, okay, but like, yeah, and but here, I mean, I, it's the same thing with PK. You were like, no, he, there's no way he's slew footing guys. Okay, yeah, he's slew footing guys. It's the same thing with Marshall. Like. Why are you doing this? But a lot of the really like dumb and really like awful stuff. Hopefully that's past it. But yeah. he's still going to be that guy, like escorting uh, and and holding Bedard in the bench. She was like, "Come on now, 
Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Good old Marcy. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. And I mean, <laughs> and, and and we there are two teams that are just tearing up the NHL. We won't one we won't talk about, and then we can talk about Corey's team because we're not going to talk about the other team. Who's the other team? The Rangers. Uh, the Rangers on like a they're on a tear too. Well, actually, I was looking at the standings, and as of right now, they're cracking her up 3-1 on the Oilers. That doesn't surprise me. Cracking yeah. her good. Um, yeah, Vegas. Corey, how does it feel to get beaten twice by Chicago? I'm really? honestly really... Uh, see, I know, like, yeah, one or two losses is fine, but <laughs> I can't get away from talking about Bedard. Like, I'm... <laughs> wait, no, 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 wait, no, hear me wait, out, hear me out, hear me out. Wilfer, what are the odds on what that Vegas lost twice to Chicago? I think yeah. Gambling joke, Vegas. All right, go ahead. Wow, (laughs) dad joke. Like the yeah, I was gonna say that's like the most awkward dad joke. <laughs> I really gotta explain this. Let's awkward dad joke. Back in my day, we used to have to go and place our bet, not on our dang cell phones. Uh, <laughs> golly, where do we go? Right, Vegas. Vegas. <clears throat> and you guys lost to Anaheim. How are you gonna do that? Well, considering I haven't been able to watch half of the games, um, oh, it's your fault. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Half you're the good it, Yeah. Oh, Corey, you know what it is. So now you have to go with the superstition thing. Now you're not allowed to watch any games. I think the Bruins lost. No, no, no. You know too. what it was? It's because when I played hockey for the first time after healing from my uh, my knee injury, I put my, you know, I always go right to left. I always do my right skate, my right elbow pad, all that stuff. I did my left. Uh, I taped my left leg first. That's the right way to do it. No. All right, Dirk, Dirk so the next time the four of us play, you and I are sitting in between the like it'll like it'll be you then Drew then me then Corey. Oh, hell and no. we're just going to reach the right and left of us and just have a party. <laughs> no, dude, no. <laughs> oh, it's going to mess up my mojo. What do you mean? Yeah, man, left to right always. Oh, oh I do the other way. I do right to left cuz I'm right. Skate spins. How do you Okay. How do you guys get dressed? I I worried whatever pa- whatever <laughs> whatever like, pat happens to find you first. Well, no, I mean like I start Dirk's, with the cup. You start with the cup, but I don't care. I don't care which like shin pad I put on first. Whichever no, one yeah, comes. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I don't care left or right. I, I, don't I, I do matter convenience. Like I think pulling my shorts over my skates is. Like I've tripped over my tripped and fell on my face before, so I don't do that. I do shorts before I do skates, but that's only because I fall on my face. I can see that one. Um, I don't get the shin pads before the skates. Yeah, I don't get that one. For me, it's not a, a not a not an order thing based on you know like psychosomatic. For me, it's more just you know what works. Mm. Corey, I go. He's got a checklist. Cup. Well, it's like compressed underwear, so I go right leg, then left leg. I'm. 
uh, socks, <laughs> skates, <laughs> shin pads, shorts, tape, and then uh, what? Elbows, chest pad. Have you put your skates on at this point? Yeah. I see. I put my skates on after I put my. No, like, then he runs a couple laps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I went out there just. I didn't hear skates. Do those warm ups. Uh, well, no, I put my. Uh, after I get my compression underwear on with the Velcro, I put my socks on and then I put my skates on. All right, but I just tuck them up to the top and then I put my shin guards on and then put my socks down over my shin guards, tape them up, and then I just slide my shorts on over everything and then I just have my lower half all set to go. So Corey and I get dressed the same way. Hell yeah. Right and Dirk way. and I get dressed the same way, which means you're probably going to have to remind us to make sure we have our neck guards on this weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. remember to wear your neck guard. You, you guys are as meticulous as it comes. Dirk and I are just oh. like, all right, throw this stuff on me. So I, I went and bought a new one and then came home and was packing my bag and you then found the I, I found the old one in a pocket that I forgot existed in this awesome, awesome good. bag. Awesome, then, so. good. Then now I got two. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. just superstitious. I can't. I got to do it the same way. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm excited. So yeah, we're, kind of what we're talking about uh, when this episode releases, we will have just finished the first day of the classic. So uh, we'll have a couple of intermediate division skates in uh, a blue level, and then our red division will play uh, Friday. You guys feeling ready for it oh uh, the greatest news the one thing i found out about the hotel dirk they have coin operated laundry so we're good because we're gonna be on the ice a lot <laughs> Wait. Yeah, yeah that was the win because i was like i don't do laundry service but they have coin operated i absolutely do coin operated so we are right. good for, for cleaning our hockey stuff yeah, yeah. oh oh dude you're at home bring a laundry pod bring a laundry pod and uh and uh and dryer sheets. Me or Dirk? Yeah. Uh, Drew. Uh, Dirk. Yeah. I can um, do that. If you can, if not, the person that's driving would, would be able to do it too. But Yeah. Um, we will also be able to leave our equipment at the rink, so that'll be good. Nice. Big exactly. win. Big win, uh, Drew. Appreciate yeah, that so one. Thank you, Andrea, who is our, our connection at the Blackhawks. She's been doing a lot of really awesome stuff for us. So I know I talked about it in the last one, but she's been really great. Uh, and happy birthday, Andrea, because she will be working on her birthday to uh, help bring us an awesome event. So and what wait. day is that? Friday. Okay. That's when I have to say thank her. Here's the <laughs> uh, thank you, but I, I will I will have thanked you already because it's going to be Friday at that point. Yeah. So it's I think it's going to be a great time. Um, you know, I, I think we're in this new kind of age of U.S. brand of blind hockey. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see kind of what this event turns into and, and how we can continue to grow it. Um, it. I think it's cool to always be, you know, at the start of something, you know, with the showdown. We did that first one. Uh, We've had Kevin Shanley on, Mark DeMontes, uh, you know, we've had all these people that have done Christine Callagy, like the first and everything. And then we had Nico on, which was really cool. He broadcast the first Canadian National Blind Hockey Festival. So he's done them nine now, right? Because the 10th one is this year. Yeah. 
25 it's this one um crazy like i and i think about how much we've seen the sport grow in the short time that like josh and i have been involved with it um to i can't really wrap my head around being at the very beginning of what it is now um, yeah. no it's crazy to see how much growth we've seen just since you know i started in 2018 has been a ton of growth so it's really exciting to see and i can't wait to see everybody in a couple of days yeah yeah and <clears throat> i think it's cool nico's done a little bit of everything again Corey, man you missed it you missed the one like yeah we've had some really good, good you missed the one that was like geared towards you <laughs> yeah i like Nico. that was a good one it would have been the I one was... where like i would have it's like it would have been the one episode where i would have been asking like half the questions no we still wouldn't let you talk come on Damn. man yeah <laughs> <laughs> i already uh, got, I, I got i got a whole 45 minutes and after killing drew's hopes That's... and dreams then i was done i guess hurting my soul it wasn't killing my hopes and dreams it was hurting me in the soul so is that good? Or, is that better or worse? Don't mind the Maple Leafs hat on my head. It hurt my Blackhawk soul. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, black hawk? Oh, no, black. Um, well, I I did think it was cool too, and and you know, like we've been talking about Nico, he's a great guy. Um, has a lot to talk about. Uh, I didn't know that he did EA Sport, like or EA Sports. Um, again, um. Uh... What was it? Uh, um, it was like a like, hockey game commentator. Like yeah, but it, why? Why am I blanking on what that version of sports esport is? Just esports. 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 God, we all were too. I'm like, I know wow. this, but what is this? Yes, esports. E there we go. Hi. Sorry, Nico. We we struggle enough. I mean, I'm more blind, so it makes sense. But we struggle enough playing the game. I can't imagine being him having to watch all these players doing stupid maneuvers that are impossible in real life and like calling it like an actual game. I, I that blew my you mind. You know how I'm going to say okie doke. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I, I wouldn't be able to keep up with that. Yeah. We just start barking after the first 30 seconds. <laughs> Something's moving. It's in the goal. <laughs> what happened? I don't know, but it's in the net. <laughs> that Dirk loses focus. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I mean, it's it was crazy to learn everything that he's doing and has done, um, and kind of the relationships that he's built within the blind hockey community. Uh, I don't necessarily think that everything that he got was from the blind hockey community. The guy obviously works very hard to to do what he loves. Um, but it does sound like the opportunity with blind hockey was a good kind of segue for him into more. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know about you guys. I didn't really know what to expect from the conversation. Like, I do know him as the voice of Canadian blind hockey, but uh, I thought it was a really great conversation to have with him, and it was cool to get to know a little bit more about him and his background and uh, everything that he's doing. So... Hope you guys enjoy this episode too. Again, this is Nico, uh, and we'll see you in the next one. Hey guys, what's up? Dirk here. Just want to take a quick time out to talk to you about Conway and Banks. For blind hockey players, hockey bags are one of the most important pieces of equipment we own. I've got to tell you. 
There aren't many bags out there that can match up to this one. The hockey bag by Conway and Banks not only rolls, includes ventilation, it also has a contrast color bottom and my favorite feature, interior bag compartments. Imagine having a hockey bag so well organized you can find anything you need in seconds with or without vision. Conway and Banks have partnered with the Dented Puck Foundation to bring these amazing bags to the blind hockey community. By using the link in our bio or the code DENTPUCK10, that's D-E-N-T-P-U-C-K-1-0, on the Conway and Banks website, you can save 10% on your purchase and it will help support the foundation. All right, Nico, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm glad to finally get you on. How's it going? And up there, up there, I guess would be the appropriate term uh, in, in Canada. Yeah, uh, guys, thanks for having me on. It's getting colder up here, which I guess means we're uh, we're well into hockey season now. So uh, it's exciting times knowing that everyone's getting back to the rink and getting geared up for, for the serious action. Yeah, well, so we, at least I knew of you originally, I think, kind of across the community you're known as the voice of canadian blind hockey um which is is awesome and, and you were definitely my first introduction into uh, i think it was the 2018 in ottawa series uh that i first was able to sit down and listen we'll get to that i know that you do a bunch of other stuff so can you tell us a little bit about your background and and kind of i know you you have your hands in a lot of different awesome things so you know what what's going on in your world yeah thanks drew um i have been really fortunate uh, as you alluded to to get a ton of different experiences across the sports broadcasting world everything from uh traditional sports like hockey soccer basketball um, I've called esports at a very high level. I'm very lucky to be the voice of Leafs Gaming League, the Toronto Maple Leafs esports um, event that they hold every year. It's grown year after year. I've also been fortunate for the past three seasons to be working with the San Jose Sharks on their esports uh, ventures. Uh, I've been working with Canada Soccer and um, the FIFA E Nations Cup as well. Um, I've, I've really been very lucky and, and very fortunate to get some amazing opportunities. Most recently, I've been working with CONCACAF um, through a company called Spock, where I've been commentating uh, CONCACAF Nations League and the Women's Road to the Gold Cup as well. So um, I've kind of done a whole gamut of in-person or remote broadcasts. Last year, I was doing professional broadcasts. Uh, professional basketball in Italy, which was then being rebroadcast here in Canada. So I, you know, for me, it's one of those things. If uh, I have an opportunity and I'm passionate about it, I'm going to jump at it. And blind hockey really falls right into that for me. I mean, as you mentioned, I, I've been lucky. Uh, I started with um, in blind hockey in 2013 at the Canadian National Tournament, and it's kind of crazy to think it's been 10 years since I got involved in the sport, um, but for me, I, I, you know, I'm very fortunate and um, it, it's, it really means a lot to me to have those opportunities. My goals would be to one day be a true professional broadcaster in the sense of working for the NHL or Major League Soccer or a big network either in Canada or the States. 
but in the meantime, I'm just enjoying every moment. And uh, I've been really lucky to to be able to work with some some major clients, Toronto FC as well. I mean, just it's it's been a pretty wild ride and something I never could have expected um, given where I started. I, I started out volunteering at my local cable station as a as a camera operator for junior a hockey up here in ontario and um just one thing after another led to me getting the opportunity to go on air and i don't know if people just like me or if i'm actually doing a good job but uh, <laughs> it's kind of snowballed where i've gotten opportunity after opportunity and uh, i've been really really fortunate for the for the wild ride i've been on no, that's a pretty impressive resume, man. I didn't even I, I knew I'd seen a lot of your posts about soccer and some other things, but you you've been in a lot of lot of cool uh, different ventures there. Yeah, it's um it's it's pretty wild. You know, I I went back to school um to pursue broadcasting after spending a year volunteering with my local cable station. And when I went to school, my whole mindset was I want to be a camera operator in the NHL. I want to do handheld camera. I've been doing this for a year plus. I'm really good at shooting handheld. And then by chance, one of my teachers needed someone to do an on-air thing. I volunteered to do it. And he's like, forget about camera operating. You need to be an announcer. You need to work on your on-air stuff. You've got the natural gift. So you keep pushing that. And I don't know if I was dumb enough to listen or just kind of went along with it, but um, it's it's been pretty crazy for sure. I mean, I graduated college in 2013, and at the time, if someone told me one day I'd be paid to do commentary of video games for the Winnipeg Jets, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the San Jose Sharks, Toronto FC, Canada Soccer, and a whole bunch of other groups, I'd have been like, no way, that's nuts. No one's ever going to pay me to commentate video games. But, uh, you know, you never know where things are going to, where opportunities are going to come from. And, um, you know, I, I'm by no means the best commentator out there, but I have passion and I have heart and I work hard. And I, I, I like to think that those elements have helped me garner these opportunities that just – somehow continue to come my way <laughs> and what i don't want to put you on the spot but what, what do you think is like your favorite what is what your biggest passion is it um like to commentate as far as like what is your favorite thing to commentate when you're when you're working yeah you know i think for me uh hockey and soccer are definitely my two that i enjoy the most and yeah um hockey is it's chaos honestly it's so fast and there's so much going on and you have to be so on your toes so for me, it's a little bit of like, I, I don't know if you guys remember the scene in the movie Old School where Will Ferrell's up there doing the debate and he just kind of blacks out and gives this unbelievable answer. And then he comes to me, he's like, ah, I don't even know what I said. When I'm calling a <laughs> yeah. hockey game, there's a lot of that. I'm just going as fast as I can to keep up with the pace on the ice and trying to convey as much as I can. So it's a little bit of chaos for me. I find when I call soccer, it's a little more methodical, and that's just the ebb and flow of the game. It allows me to kind of pull back a little bit, maybe allow the visuals to tell the story a little bit more if it's, um, yeah. you know, if it's a visual broadcast. But uh, I think for me, those are the two sports I enjoy calling the most. Yeah, and hockey is probably the hardest for you, hardest for any announcer because it's like you said, it's so fast, so much going on. And, and, you know, on that point, Dirk, it's funny. When I started calling NHL eSports, it was like a whole nether level of speed because transitions on the ice in, in real life hockey are fast. And like you said, the, the game is chaotic. It goes back and forth. In eSports, it's like 10 times as fast. So 
Um, yeah. it, it's really <laughs> keeping you on your toes. And I remember, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, I was working a gig for the San Jose Sharks for their big event. And Randy Hahn, their play-by-play commentator, came on to do a show with us. And he was just dumbfounded at how fast the back and forth, the transitions were. And he was just like, I don't know how you guys do this. This is way harder than actual NHL hockey. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's been pretty crazy and a lot of fun. I, I was actually going to ask you what the difference is. So uh, me, Drew, and uh, Tony Chesro play NHL online, and we've d- done it together now. We're trying to, trying to you know, grow the community too. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I play defense, so I'm the one that gets pummeled by the quick back and forth against the blind guys. So, um, so, and, and that's kind of what I was gonna, what I was gonna ask about esports. So it really is just for you. It's more of a speed thing, or is it like a cognition thing too, just with how quick everything goes. It's it's definitely speed when it comes to esports. I think the one big difference uh, between traditional hockey and esports is uh, in esports you're either looking at one v ones, three v threes, or six v six. So really, you only need to know six names at most. And yeah, they're kind of wacky gamer tags. You get, you know, some crazy names out there in the NHL online community. But when you're calling an actual hockey game, there's there's so many names and so many people involved that you really keep your head on a swivel at all times. With esports, as crazy as the transitions are, and as you can be up and down the ice in literally seconds, at least you know there's really only six players on each side you got to keep track of. So in that sense, it it's a little bit easier, but the speed is so much faster. And honestly, you, you can't take your eyes off the action for even a second because a goal can happen out of nowhere, whereas in real hockey, at least, there is some transition and you're not going to get, you know, like one of the plays, it, it, I mean, if you guys play, you know the Omaha play. You dump it in, you get somebody flying up the ice and they pick it up before the icing's called. You don't really see that in, in real hockey. That's not a real play per se, but in the NHL online community, you get that happening all the time. So even when you think there's no threat of something happening, you have to be glued to the action because uh, things can change literally in an instant. Wait, you're so you're telling me that I can't start a hip check from the opposite blue line and guide it into a player and completely destroy him on the opposite corner in real life. That's not a. That's not how that works. <laughs> Because you know, I, to me so much. That, like <laughs> he was, we we played today. He was on this for like an hour today. <laughs> no, I don't think you can get away with that in real life. But uh, yeah, there's some quirky quirky points about the game online for sure. <laughs> you definitely can't do it in blind hockey. No, yeah, good point, Dirk. Yeah, <laughs> well, and I guess that, that problem. Maybe to Josh's point. So is that because in we is. Josh and Tony and I have seen in, in NHL, there are just some plays that you're like, that's that's not a real hockey play, or like, you couldn't do that on the ice. Like, uh, the one that gets me is how many people can do the Michigan play. Yeah. It's like an automatic goal. Um, what, how, from a commentator's perspective, like, does that ever catch you mid game? Like, that, that shouldn't have happened, or, or anything like, can you say anything about stuff like that? <laughs> So when I first started doing NHL esports, it it really threw me for a loop. The one that really got me that you never see happen in 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 real life hockey is 
the zone entry. Often the top players in NHL esports will skate backwards into the zone, shielding the puck. You would never in a million years see that in any level of real competitive hockey. Maybe in your local beer league, you might see a guy do that, but in, in the NHL, AHL, OHL, whatever, no one would ever do that. But in NHL esports, that threw me for a loop every time. And I was like, what are they doing? And ragging, cycling the puck around the zone too. One of the best players in the world in the NHL community is a guy named Regs. He's from Thunder Bay in Ontario. And he has the unbelievable ability playing one-on-one to just maintain zone time. And he just skates around the zone loop after loop carrying the puck and guys cannot get it off of them. You don't really ever see that in the NHL unless it's like an extended power play or something. And they're really trying to cycle, but he would spend, you know, five minutes out of the period, just cycling the puck through the offensive zone, essentially playing keep away from his opponent. So yeah, there's a few intricacies when I first started calling NHL esports that as a lifelong hockey fan, I was like, what is going on? I've played hockey for 30 years and I've never seen anyone do this in real life. But, um, you know, now that I've been doing it, I, I started with the Leafs in 2018 calling Leafs Gaming League. So it's been five years now. And um, now it's at the point where, you know, that's kind of old hat and uh, it doesn't really throw me anymore. But um, yeah, Drew, you're right. The Michigan is something that certainly in the last few iterations of the game has become a dominant and and uh, consistent uh, play that happens. And again, we, uh, you know, at elite level esports, you don't really get the Michigan pulled off successfully too much just because um, the guys know it's coming. They know how to defend it. They can kind of mitigate that opportunity when a guy's holding the puck behind the net. But uh, certainly if you're just playing drop-ins or if you're playing threes, you're going to get a lot of Michigans. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately true. (laughs) We are do, we are definitely doing better than we did on day one of NHL 24. I think we were like, Oh, and seven on the first game or first day that we played and caught. Oh, yeah. Josh, R- Josh Rage quit. Yeah, Rage quit. It was like, it was like, it was like seven or eight, two or three on ones in a row. I was like, guys, I'll see you later. <laughs> and, and then I think we came on the podcast after, and I was like, it's just like, you know, when you're like, it's the, it's like, stop beating a guy when he's down. I'm just like, just getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of tired of this. <laughs> uh, listen, I could appreciate that. Every so often, I'll I'll go into uh to a drop in game or something, and and same thing. I I Josh, like you, I tend to play on D just because I don't have the skill to be an effective forward in the game. So mm-hmm. I'd rather try be that you know stay at home defenseman. At least I can use my smarts and and hockey IQ a little bit. But same thing, I'm getting burned all the time. And and don't feel bad because I've seen pro players in NHL esports rage quit many times in big tournaments we've had it happen with leafs gaming league uh with the northern arena nhl cup that i've done the sharks cup they're pretty good about making sure the guys don't rage quit but every once in a while even at the highest level of nhl esports you still do get (laughs) rage quit so don't feel bad about that yeah you know it's us americans are known for our cool uh yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting world to try and and correlate on ice hockey to nhl there are definitely adjustments that you have to make uh in your thinking um but 
that's a lot you do a lot of different things um and it sound from from what you said you've you've been with canadian blind since the the start you did you do the very first national tournament? Yeah. so so my first yeah i guess 2013 was the first official national tournament i know they had some tournaments previous to that um, but the first national tournament at the former Maple Leaf Gardens in 2013 was was my first entry into the sport of blind hockey. And um, it was funny. I was I was interning at a Toronto sports radio station and I had a mutual friend with Mark DeMontis. I didn't know Mark at this point, but we had a mutual friend and this mutual friend knew that I loved to do play by play and I loved hockey. So he connected me to Mark, and Mark said, you know, we need someone to come out and call some games for us. Is this something you'd be interested in? I said, yeah, absolutely. I know nothing about the sport. Uh, you know, send me some videos or send me the rules so at least I can, you know, understand some of the intricacies and some of the adaptations. Um, but I really had never witnessed a blind hockey game prior to that. And uh, I walk into, again, the former Maple Leaf Gardens and – it just, it was a whole new world and it was absolutely spectacular. I'm looking back on it now. I'm so grateful that that mutual friend of ours um, connected us, not only for the opportunity to be part of the blind hockey community, but for all the friendships and people that I've gotten to know and, and uh, those relationships that I've um, had over the years, it's, it's, it's so special to me. Mark and I, we hang out almost every day. If not every day, it's every other day. Or we're talking constantly. We've worked together um, outside of sports in 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 our day jobs, and um, I, I truly feel like the blind hockey community is an extension of my family on so many levels. And and I just I'm I'm truly so grateful and thankful that ten years ago by chance I got connected to this life-changing group. And, and I know that so many people that come into the sport um, with a visual impairment, they feel like it's life-changing for them in so many ways. Uh, for me, it, it was a life-changing um, opportunity as well. And, and truly it, it just means so much to me to be continue to be a part of the community. And uh, you know, you guys mentioned the voice of Canadian blind hockey. They they often refer to me as that, and I don't know if I'll ever truly be comfortable with that title because it's not about me. Like, I'm there helping to tell your story. You guys are the stars here. You guys are the one, and you guys and girls are the people that move this sport forward and have the momentum to continue the growth. I'm just there to help convey the story, and for me, I feel so fortunate to be a part of that. I, I remember some of the earliest ones you did because I, I, when I first found out about blind hockey, it was like in December of 2017 and we weren't doing a tournament until like April. And so I didn't have any idea what to expect. I was playing with the Hartford Brailers, but there's only like, you know, half a dozen of us at the time, maybe a few volunteers, mm -hmm. but you, you had like a cell phone and you were just recording from the stands, <laughs> commentating from the cell phone. Sometimes it was Matt, but usually it was you. And I remember watching some of the older ones and it really got me excited to go and, uh, to want to go to Canada someday and play over there because I, you know, I just thought it'd be really cool to be in a game that was commentated. This is before I even knew about Team USA and uh, or any of that stuff. It was I was just wanted to go. I just wanted to come and play in one of the tournaments and meet you in here. You know, you know, see what it was like in person. 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, again, it's just wild to think about the growth over the past 10 years and forget about the impact that COVID and the pandemic had on the sport. Like, obviously, that kind of stopped everything in its tracks, but the momentum has come back maybe tenfold and and the energy and the um the passion is is there not only just in Canada and the USA but it it's growing around the world and um it's it's really special for me to think back on that first tournament where i think we maybe only had four teams playing like it it was small um but the growth not just in terms of numbers but the actual on-ice product is wild to think about. If you compare that 2013 tournament to the upcoming international series that are happening in Toronto and then St. Louis, if you compare those two game tapes, it looks like a completely different sport. The speed has increased significantly. The skill has, I mean, I don't think 10 years ago we could have dreamed to find the quality and skill of players that we have in the game now. And it's only growing more and it's getting better. And, uh, you know, even from a broadcast perspective, you're right, Dirk, like it was not that long ago where we were up in the stands with a cell phone or an iPad, yeah. just, you know, doing it kind of guerrilla style. And now I think about the company that I've grown in Parasport TV. And at our last Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament, we had a multi-cam setup. We had a corner cam, a wireless corner cam. We had all sorts of um, new and innovative aspects to the broadcast that we've never been able to pull off before. And when we do that and it's successful, it just kind of reignites the passion in me. Like, awesome, we did this, but what can we do next year to make it even better? So, um, you know, I think in all aspects of the sport, whether it's the broadcast, the on-ice uh, play, the organizational aspects, it just continues to grow. And there's so many amazing leaders involved that it's not going backwards. It's only going to continue to march forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's it's been obvious here since pandemic also. And just uh, also on the international stage and through me watching those early on uh, USA-Canada series, but – just on, on all levels, like, you know, COVID was going to be two steps, three steps back regardless. But mm. how we both recovered and showing where we're going in the next, you know, 12 months is is incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely, Josh. It would have been really easy, I think, for people just to, um, you know, allow COVID to slow things down and just be content that we're able to get back on the ice and, and be able to play the game and have the community come together again. But it, it's been so much more than that. It's not just um, accepting that, okay, well, we have a place to play. It's I think on both sides of the border and even around the world, that hunger to have a Four Nations Cup, to have a world championship and eventually get to the Paralympics, I think that has been just as strong, if not stronger than ever. And and you look at something like the BHL that's come along and, and the success that not only happened on the ice, but the media success, the way that the media treated that series in Toronto, that was maybe the most attention we've ever gotten around an elite level blind hockey competition and, and, and the messaging that went into that. It wasn't just a tournament where, 
anyone with a visual impairment could come and play. This was the best of the best. And, and I think that really resonated with the uh, local and national media, especially up here in Canada. When I, when I think about the, um, the Friday game that was held and the amount of people in the stands and the media that came out to cover that event, it truly speaks to all the hard work that's gone in and, and the momentum that's behind the growth of the game. Yeah, no, it's exciting to see all the other countries uh, getting their teams, you know, like Sweden and Finland. Um, I forget. I think, am I mistaken? Was Australia creating a team or am I crazy? No, I think at one point there was uh, there was interest from Australia to grow a program. I know at one point we had some people from Italy reach out to Canadian Blind Hockey to, to try start up a program there. Uh, I know that sure. Russia had shown interest at one point. Obviously, that was before the war and... You know, yeah. with all the geopolitical stuff, that's that's a whole nother that's, issue. That's a whole right? nother issue for a yeah, different exactly. podcast. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah, different <laughs> podcast. But, you know, I think uh, the underlying factor there is that that hunger is there, and, and globally there's a demand to to have. Do more. Yeah, exactly, to do more, to grow it, and and to, to, to have these national teams all around the world. And, I mean, th- Russia's got them. It's yeah. just that, you know, once the geopolitical climate, like, like you said, is a lot cooler, this is, there is a, there is a team there and there are mm. players for, there are a lot of players. I mean, just unfortunately, this is, this is the world we live in. For sure. And, you know, I think, I think as Dirk alluded to, you look at what they've done in Finland, they've done such a great job with that program. And I I mean, you guys in the U S know it to, to grow a national team, you have to have a solid grassroots program to recruit, to get people into the sport. Mm -hmm. Finland has done such a good job at the grassroots level that they're now pulling out national level players that have come over to compete in national tournaments or in the BHL and, uh, you know, I don't think we're far off from them fielding a full national team. And, and really, we're getting so much closer to a Four Nations Cup than we've ever been before. And I feel like once Finland has a team, it's going to ignite the fire. Not that UK, not that like, uh, you know, Nathan, Nathan Tree hasn't been doing his job, but um, I feel like he's like Finland's really coming along and trying to get their program established. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think you got to give Nathan Tree a ton of credit for what he's done with Blind Ice Hockey UK and and how he continues to be a, a champion advocate for the sport over there. He's just recruiting tirelessly. He's working so hard to ensure that there's ice available. And, you know, he's yeah. even stolen a couple of Canadians to to recruit over to the, to the UK team. And yeah. if that's what it takes, that's okay. You know, we joked when we got the um, initial outreach from the Italian group is that, well, okay, there's a few Italians on the Canadian national team. Maybe we have to send them over to Italy just to kind of speed things up over there. And, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, whatever it takes, you know, I think that that growth is going to come and, and we're really not that far off from a world championship in the future. I mean, and as, and as much as you have the joke, like we'll send a couple of the Italians over there. Like I'm uh, one of the, one of the, I don't, this is one of the funny things was that like my mother's from Britain. So, the second I saw Nathan post something, I literally shared it with all my family. And Nathan was one of the first five people I met in blind hockey. Um, so, but the the leniency of the Paralympic rules on is is what's going to really help us in getting towards Paralympic play because of 
the vast number of players we do have getting at that elite level, both in Canada and the U.S., really does help the world base of elite blind hockey, too. Yeah, Josh, you're, you, you've hit the nail right on the head there. I mean, you see it even in the double-IHF with men's national programs, women's programs as well. You know, I, I'm of Italian heritage. A good number of the players on the Italian national team are either American or Canadian by birth. Yes, they have the, the heritage, the lineage that, uh, like you said, due to the leniency and the rules, allows them to play for their uh ancestral home and and if that's what it takes to grow blind hockey globally by all means we got to do that like it, you know i think of someone like joey cabral one of the goaltenders for the canadian national team proud portuguese canadian i know it means so much to him to wear the maple leaf but i know it mean just as much if one day he got to suit up for team portugal and and yeah. lead that team into a world championship so uh you know i don't think I mean, obviously, you want to wear either the USA on your chest or the Canadian Maple Leaf or what you know, whatever nation you're born into. But if that opportunity comes because your grandfather was from, you know, the UK or from Finland or wherever, by all means, if that helps strengthen the product and and close that gap so that we've got competitive national teams all around the world, for sure, we we gotta you know, embrace that for sure. I agree. So you've got your Duolingo in both Finnish and Russian started, right? <laughs> no, you know what? As, uh, as much success of, uh, as I've had in the broadcast booth, uh, I am English speaking only. I, I speak <laughs> very little Italian. Uh, I think my Russian consists of Da and Nazdrovia, so I don't think I can uh, muster much more than that for play-by-play, -play, but, uh, you know, if it means taking a couple lessons on Duolingo, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, it'll get interesting when you have to start doing all those names from foreign countries. You're going to have a, a really good challenge. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. I've been really fortunate to, um, to have so many different experiences in my broadcast career, and uh, early on in my career, I got to do a number of events for the IIHF, including some world under 17 hockey challenges. And there you're getting players, you know, you're getting the Russian national team, you're getting the Swedish team, uh, you're getting players that you're not necessarily familiar with and names you maybe haven't heard before. So, um, yeah, as a broadcaster, you, you definitely want to brush up on pronunciation. And I'll give a little tip to any uh, aspiring broadcasters out there. The best way to ensure you have the name right is go ask the player themselves. Don't ask the coach. Don't ask the PR person. Talk to the player themselves because they, more than anyone, know how to pronounce their name. So uh, that's my tip mm -hmm. of the day there. <laughs> yeah, good advice. Wait, uh, Timu Solani, right? Yeah. That's the famous story, right? Yeah. And I'm still, I still pronounce it wrong, right? It's Selane, right? Yes, that's like, right. Yeah. And that was the story. Really? I never knew it was so wow. I guess you learned something. Yeah, there. he never he never corrected them. And so I was never funny, like, that's that what all of us think about. And he was like, Yeah, I'm just he was too nice of a kid to correct him. I'm just too nice so hundred hundred how many points his rookie year? Ridiculous. Yeah, pretty wild. And and you know, I think um I think players nowadays are a little more empowered. They they want to hear their names pronounced correctly, whereas when a guy like Tumu was coming up, he was just happy to be there and he didn't want to ruffle any feathers or, you know, 
rub people the wrong way and all of a sudden not find himself in the lineup. But uh, today, players are certainly a little uh, a little more bold and, and empowered, and I think that's the way it should be. If you've earned the right to play in a pro league or in a, at an elite level or on a national team, you've earned the right to hear your name pronounced correctly. So uh, Probably, I certainly yeah. appreciate that if – if you know, if I haven't had a chance to go meet someone before a game, and and they hear that I've pronounced their name the wrong way, I always appreciate when they come to me after and say, you know, you did a great job or whatever. I like the way you did this, but just so you know, this is the right way to pronounce my name, and and I won't make that mistake twice. So, honestly, I coached middle school, but before I had to retire, um. From me and from all my players, for every other announcer that wasn't you, mm. thank you. Because, but it's it's such a it's such an easy thing to do when you know what the other end of the spectrum is. If you get it wrong, and what it looks like when you get it wrong, and you're that kid that it's always wrong, and what it sounds like when the one person asks, and you make sure they they make sure they get it right. Yeah, usually, you know, I had that player. Guys, they're announcing, um, and I was like, "Oh no, dude, I'll get you the right pronunciation. I know what you're talking about." No, for sure. I mean, it makes a world of a difference to that player, to their families and friends that are tuning in to watch them. It it means so much to them. And you know, one of the challenges I have with some of my current gigs is I'm doing a lot of remote broadcasts. So I mentioned the Concacaf stuff that I'm doing. Uh, lately, I've been calling national games for. Countries like Belize, uh, Bahamas, um, a, a lot of Caribbean countries and, and Central American countries. And I'm not at those venues. And they really, like, pulling back the curtain here a little bit, I don't get the starting lineups for those games until maybe 10 minutes before kickoff. So I don't even have the opportunity to email somebody or, or bounce it off someone to check the pronunciation. So... I always, it's, it's you know, maybe not um, the right way to do it, but if I'm unsure, I'm at least going to say it with confidence in the same way every time. So at least it sounds like I know what I'm doing, even if I'm taking a bit of a shot in the dark with it. But yeah, Josh, you're right. Anytime you can uh, ensure you get that right pronunciation, it really does make a world of a difference for, for the player and their families. I'm trying to remember there's a, a hockey player in the NHL that the commentator did what you you said you you don't do and he kept saying the name like three different ways and you'd cycle through them and you're like i, I think all of them are wrong but just pick <laughs> one and stick to it like i don't i don't care that much like i i know who it is i'm man it's gonna bug me now because i had it on the tip of my tongue i i want to feel like it was uh andrew desjardins sure and and he you'd say Desjardins and Desjardins and then like some some completely different thing like I I don't know who's right and I don't know if you're lying to me at this point but please just pick <laughs> one and stick to it right well and that's it at least at least fool the audience to think you know what you're saying it's funny I think about some of my early broadcast experiences and uh, I was fortunate to be one of the voices of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, the precursor to the uh, to the new Women's Hockey League, and of course the PHF and and all the different iterations. But um, early on in those days, we didn't have access to the girls in the locker room. We didn't get a chance to speak with the women before the game. And I 
I remember often doing Montreal games, and I only took French until grade nine. <laughs> I, I am not good with French. So I would say certain names and bless the fans. They would tweet me. They would DM me and say, oh, we got to laugh out of how you pronounce that name, just so you know. And then they would give me the phonetic pronunciation. And to me, it always <laughs> made me chuckle that, okay, they are paying attention and they are listening. And I have to do better because people do care. It's not just the players and their families. There are fans out there. And we're seeing it now with blind hockey. There are fans of blind hockey who, who are keeping me honest in a broadcast. I, you know, I think about the last national tournament I did, and one of the Finnish players, Yoni Koko, who is a great guy, he came up to me and he gave me some critiques afterwards. And I thought to myself, I've been calling blind hockey for 10 years, and this guy just came up to me and told me something no one has ever told me before. And I love that because it helps me as a broadcaster to continue to grow and ensure that I get better along with the play as well. What can you can you tell us what he told you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and you know what? Uh, it's funny because sometimes I'm having so much fun in the booth that I lose I I, I don't often lose track of the fact that the majority of the audience is visually impaired. But what he said to me was, you do a great job, but there's two critiques I have for you. Sometimes you tell stories during the play and we can't figure out what's going on on the ice. So don't tell stories during the play. Wait till the whistle, do it in the break. And I thought, okay, that's, you know what? That's fair. That's a really good point. The other thing he said to me was, you keep saying yeehaw, yuha. Why do you say yeehaw, yuha? You gotta give him another name. Don't say yeehaw, yuha every single time. And in my head, I was like, okay, that's fair, but go out there and stop him. Don't blame me. It's not my fault he scored seven goals in the game. Yanni asked the question we've all been wondering. All right, <laughs> that's so hilarious. Actually, like, I had two good ones, but this one was always gonna be set up. So. Your top five blind hockey calls. Um, and where does that one fall in? Because we know that one's on there. Um, okay. I'm sure Corey will find the video and dub over these. Uh, so you can kind of you set it up and Corey can throw the video in right over them. Okay, so there's a few that definitely stick out in my mind. And uh, definitely yeehaw, yeehaw. I, I, I don't know how I came up with that. I think it was the whole cowboy aspect and just thinking – Yeehaw, yeehaw, it just works so well, and, and I've really embraced it, and people do seem to love it, again, unless he's scoring five-plus goals in a game and they're hearing that time and time and time again. So I can appreciate that. That could get a little old. I'll have to try to come up with something new for Jason if he continues to be as dominant as he is. But um, some of the other top calls or nicknames, one of my personal favorites was Christine the scoring machine. Scoring machine. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. was and and there was I don't remember the year. It might have been 2015 or 16, somewhere in around there. Her and her family came to the national tournament in Toronto with Christine the scoring machine t-shirts. And I thought to myself, this is it. If I don't accomplish anything else in my broadcasting career, I could look back at that moment and say, okay, I did something that impacted people in a positive way. So Christine the scoring machine is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, and I also like Joey the Wall Cabral. I think specifically about um, this insane save he made at Western Nationals. It must have been... I don't know, 2017 or 2018 
uh, Western Regionals, excuse me, where he kind of did the spinorama behind the back glove save. It was absolutely outrageous, and that kind of spurred the whole Joey the Wall Cabral nickname. But um, there's been so many amazing players, and and for me, the nicknames I, I try to let them come organically. I don't try to force anything, and and I want to make sure the players earn it. I'm not just going to give a nickname to every player, but if you do something spectacular, I do try to. Uh, have something in my pocket that's a little bit special to to accentuate the amazing stuff you guys just did on the ice. Do penalties count as spectacular or no? Absolutely, <laughs> of course, Dirk. <laughs> right. You know what? Uh, on that note, I know I know that uh, your line of work is a little different now, but uh, that play where you and Dustin Butterfield went up against each other oh, uh, that was in, in the funny. last yeah. international series, and I called it the Battle of Agriculture. That one yeah. literally <laughs> came to me in the moment, and I was so proud of that. Like Even to this day, <laughs> I'm still shocked that I thought of that off the top of my head with in, the, the, in one with second the i figured you had it written down you're like i'm gonna use this later no honestly, i guess how would you know how would you know i'd be going head to head with him though i guess is the other I, I, well and that's it it literally just came to me in the moment and and like i said it's one of those will ferrell and old school moments where you're just yeah. you're kind of out of body experience and you just spit something out and you hope it sticks and i can't tell you how many people came up to me after that game and said oh my god that line was hilarious that was the best thing we've ever heard so uh dirk yes you have a special place in history in the battle of agriculture <laughs> You know, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you the next one to be like something along the lines of, "Oh, there's Dirk the Lobsterman getting a little crabby out there." <laughs> Dirk's just trying to feed you lines now. <laughs> feed him yeah. lines. Yeah. Like, I gave him that one. <laughs> and I'm always, I'm always open to suggestions. So if anyone in the community <laughs> don't encourage, don't encourage. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I got suggestions. <laughs> just leave, just leave it. Just sooner oh, no. or later, sooner Dirk will be doing the play-by-play, and you'll, <laughs> yeah. you'll be out of a job. N Nico will just be the color commentator. <laughs> hey, I'm okay with that too. That's fine by me. <laughs> um, you know, I it it it's in. You have a, a unique perspective from you know Josh, myself, and Dirk. We're we're really lucky. So in in Chicago, I've got Luke Miller. Tony Cesaro, Eddie Wolf, Connor Bailey, like these guys that I've seen as young men that are now men, uh, you know, kind of advance in their skills and advance in their, their personalities and things like that. And then we do see the national, when we do our big events, you know, we get to see how better Dirk's gotten or how much worse Dirk's gotten, um, how much better Sitska is than Dirk. Uh, uh -huh. you know, that's very true yes um <laughs> it is but it's it's still different for us because we're at the player perspective so it's like oh man Cisco learned that new move or josh has got that pass off or whatever what's it like for you especially being at the beginning of canada blind hockey where guys like jason yuha are the young kids that are you know the future stars and now they've grown into this true star but also mentor role uh and then you have guys like joe fernazier who was the kid and now he's coming up and he's a young man now. And so from a, a commentator perspective, and I'm, I'm sure you've gotten to know these players too. What's that growth been like for, from your view? I, I think it's truly been so special and, and so incredible. Um, you know, I think of somebody like Alex Angus McKechn, who when I first met him was too young to play in the national tournament and now he's grown into this hulk of a of a man and um you know he's 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 a steady 
uh, a steady player there on the national team. It's it's, but Drew, as you kind of alluded to, it's not just the growth of their play on the ice. It's the personal growth in life. Um, you know, someone like Joe Fernazier, as you mentioned, who came in as as this little kid who had all the confidence in the world, but we didn't really know what we had there. We just knew we had this kid that was passionate and loved to play and, and, and kept saying, I'm going to be on the national team one day. I'm going to make this national team. And sure enough, he's there. And, and I think that is so huge for the community as a whole, because um, it, it proves that you can dream of achieving that level and actually accomplishing that. But, along the way you're going to grow into a better person as well if you if you take joe fernazier as an example all everything he does on social media all the speaking tours he does all the um appearances he does to tell his story to share his story and to grow the sport and to continue to recruit that next wave of of players it's so important to the game but also, to it speaks to what the power of sport does. I mean, you know, I, I think about the kids and youth in Canadian blind hockey, and when they can't, when they come to a national tournament, there are young kids asking for these players' autographs. Like again, when I think about back to 2013, that I don't think we could have dreamed that that we would have had a new generation of of young up and coming boys and girls that have role models within the sport. I think the best way to kind of illustrate this is, you know, back in 2013, when we used to do player interviews, we'd say, who's your favorite NHL player. It's no longer who's your favorite NHL player. It's who's your favorite blind hockey player, because there's been so much growth in the sport and, and the, the leaders within the sport have grown in so many ways that, um, it, it really is something special that's happened. And, and again, I think about the relationships that I've had with people since over the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, I'm still meeting players for the first time. And, and that speaks to the recruitment, that speaks to the growth. But it also, I think, speaks to, um, like you said, the, the leaders on the ice and how they've grown as people off the ice. And, and, it, it's truly something special. It's it's a little hard for me to communicate because it's hard to put into words just how powerful and how special that is. But um, it's it's something that, you know, from my perspective, I've been lucky to um, volunteer as a coach. I've been able to fill in for the Toronto Ice Owls every once in a while as a guest goalie. And I don't put the blindfold on anymore, but I used to when I was younger and a little crazier. Um, but, uh, it's, it's truly incredible to, to think back on where the game and the community was 10 years ago, where it is now and where it's going to go in the next 10 years, because we're only going to get more of that. And, and, you know, I think about some of the youth players that we have, it's not going to be that long until a player like Caden Benoit or Aiden Quilty is vying for a team on the national uh, for a spot on the national team. Someone in the states like Easton Alexander Kiddo, he uh, you know his first national tournament, he was this little pipsqueak who went out there and dominated. And now it's going to be you know not that far in the future where he's competing for a national team spot. And it's um it, it's truly special. It's very very special. Yeah, well, and that, and I think that that's 
you know, our goal, Dirk, Josh, and myself are definitely of the older persuasion in the, the community and played a lot of hockey leading up to this too. So um, it's, it is always nice to see these young guys coming up and being willing to take over that leadership role too. You know, in the United States, we've got guys like Dan Tram and mm. uh, Luke Miller, who, you know, like I said, I, I'm very fortunate that I've got to skate with Luke a lot because we're in Chicago together. Um, mm-hmm. But just to see his confidence change from younger to old to now, and that, and I think that that also equates on the ice because he does some things with the puck that, like, oh, I, it's night and day. Yeah, uh fully i would not have tried doing that with the puck and he you know he he just he just does it um so i think it it lets the older guys know that the sport is in good hands when we're finally you know just in the open division or yeah whatever it may be no for sure i mean even someone like blake steinica where he was when he first started and the leader and advocate and the player he's become it's 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 truly something special and i think the leaders within the sport on both sides of the border and even internationally, they recognize that and, and they're fostering that because as you said, you know, okay, maybe there's a day where you're not on the national team, but that doesn't mean there's not a place in the sport for you. And that doesn't mean there's not a place in the community for you, either as a mentor or uh, in, in a leadership form or on a board or or whatever there's there's always a place and it's such a welcoming and inclusive <laughs> sport and and community it's um again kind of I, I think of myself as an outsider in a way uh, from the outside perspective it's so powerful to witness that growth and that progression and and just so exciting to think about where it's going in the future yeah yeah when i'm done i'm going to take up refing Really? The first the first blind hockey referee that's actually blind too. It's gonna be great. I love I it. Work, I wanna be the guy working the penalty box door. I feel at home there. I don't know. It's just you know <laughs> That's true. If anyone has the experience, Dirk, it's probably you. <laughs> I don't know though. Dan gave you a run for, for your money. No, he did. <laughs> Once I got the white helmet and they realized that when I ran into people that 80% of the time is because I never saw them there. So once they figured that out, I, I got a lot less penalties. But yeah, Shram's definitely picked it up. It's weird the percentage of, of how many times you're trying to hit somebody changes, you know, story to story. 80, 90. It's, you <laughs> I know, it, it ranges. I didn't see him. I didn't see him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, Nico... Again, thank you so much for your time and and coming on. Um, you know, I'm sure hopefully this is the first of many conversations we have, whether that's podcast or, uh, you know, offline. Um, do you have any shout outs? Where can where can people find you? Uh, you know, I, I know you have a couple different avenues. Yeah, and and guys, I want to thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. Drew, I want to give you a special shout-out. I don't know if you did your homework on me, but you're wearing the hat and the sweater of my two favorite teams. I grew up as a Leafs and Blackhawks fan, so I appreciate you uh, uh, doing that on my behalf, even if you didn't do that intentionally. 
Um, but yeah, if folks want to connect with me, they can do so on social media. My handle is at bro behind the mic, or you can connect with me on my website. It's nicopxp.com. That's Nico with two C's. And uh, I'm always available. I'm always happy to connect with folks. Uh, if I can answer any questions or be of help in any way, um, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to be available because I think of all the people that have helped me in my career get to the points I've had and, and to where I continue to hope to get to. And I'm so grateful for the adaptive sport community and specifically the blind hockey community. So if anyone wants to connect with me, I more than encourage reaching out and uh, I'll definitely uh, give you a shout back. But boys, this has been so much fun and definitely I hope it's not the last conversation uh, either on the Dented Puck podcast or like you guys said offline. Feel free to hit me up anytime. You guys, uh, you guys are good men and you do good work. So uh, thank you for having me on today. Thank you. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. We appreciate you coming on all your time, but it's been too long. We've got to get together and have some lobster. Uh, you know, Dirk, you just took the words right out of my mouth. One of my favorite <laughs> memories of the blind hockey community has nothing to do with hockey. Dirk came up to me. I think it was in Ottawa. You came Ottawa, up to yeah. me. Yeah. And you gave me this uh, Tupperware of fresh caught lobster. And I brought it home to my family. My mom made this delicious lobster pasta. My late grandfather, he passed a few months after. But I remember him sitting and eating with us. And he said, wow, this is the best lobster I ever had. And then I told him where it came from and how someone special to me gifted it to us. And and it, it's that kind of um, sense of community and camaraderie, that friendship, it it goes beyond the boards, it goes beyond the ice. And, and I've said this time and time again, the blind hockey community is my extended family. You guys are all my brothers and sisters. And, and I love every single one of you. So if there's anything I can ever do to help anybody in the community, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks, man. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. This has been a ton of fun.